0: Today's reading is taken from Revelation chapter 4. That's Revelation chapter 4. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice they had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I will show you what must must take place after this. At once I was in the Spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it and the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne surrounding the throne were twenty-four other thrones and seated on them were twenty-four elders they were dressed in white and had crowns of gold on their heads from the throne came flashes of lightning rumblings and peals of thunder In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. Also, in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the centre around the throne were four living creatures, covered with eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man. The fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. Let's
1: just just pray before we start, shall we? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this passage. Thank you that it's there to show us a little insight into your power and your glory, and may we be encouraged and assured as we look at it now. Amen. Well, when life's tough, look up. That's what this chapter's saying to us. Revelation was written at a time when people were going through uh, difficult times uh, uh, as Christians. Uh, They were being persecuted. They were in a a fairly hostile government. and, And life was... Was difficult, and they were wondering, Well, what's happened to Jesus then? Is he ever going to come back? And Jesus says in Revelation 4 He says, Well, God is still on his throne, he still cares for us. And uh, as we go through Revelation, uh, we're going to see all sorts of uh, uh, troubles and all the famous stuff with plagues and and natural disasters, and, and wars, and all sorts of awful things happening. And, uh, well, we're in a plague at the moment, aren't we? And there's all sorts of awful things happening. There are folk on the streets, the are folk in, in the refuges. Uh, wherever you are around the world uh, watching this, there are difficult times for, for many of us. And maybe we wonder, well, when is Jesus coming back? Can we really believe that God is in control. Well, this chapter says, yes, God is control. He's still on his throne. He's got everything under control, and he cares for us. He's involved. He cares for us now, and he's got a great future for us. Well, that's great, but you might kind of say, well, prove it. You know, it's a bit like, I don't know, well, maybe you haven't flown recently, but, you know, if you get on your flight, uh, whether you're first class or back of a plane at EasyJet, uh, one of the first announcements you hear is, well, welcome aboard, we're flying off to CERN, so uh, your captain's name today is Leslie, he's going to be flying the aircraft. And you think, I don't want to know that. I don't care whether he's called Leslie or not. I want to know whether he's got a pilot's license. I want to know he can fly this thing. I want to know he's going to get me there. Well, Revelation 4 is telling us about God in his throne room. He's opening up the cockpit door to encourage us that we can trust the one who's in charge. Now, we've got a uh, a picture. I should have put it up. just put it up earlier. There we go. A picture by Anna Lees, who uh, some of us will know used to be here. Uh, And she's doing an artwork at the moment covering the whole of Revelation. Uh, It's an astonishing thing. And she's kindly said, well, we can use this image uh, from uh, the triptych that she's doing at the moment. This is her picture uh, of the throne room. And I wanted to put it up for two reasons. One is, when you're looking at Revelation, we're looking at symbols and images And I think she captures that in this picture, doesn't it? We get get the image of what we're talking about. And the other thing is that because it's symbols and images, they tell us stuff about God. Sometimes different people will see different things in different parts of Revelation. So this morning we're going to be looking very much at a high level, broad brush. What is fairly clear God is saying to us. You may see other things, uh, and I think... Uh, even as you look at the picture, you may see other things as well. So I'm going to leave it up there because I think it helps us as we visualize some of the things uh, that we're, we're talking about. Um, and to use the jargon, we're going to move at pace because there's quite a lot going on in this chapter. So do keep it open. If you've got the church Bibles, uh, 1, 2, 3, 6, uh, Revelation 4. And the first thing that John sees when he goes into heaven is a throne. And if you're a follower of the crown, wherever you are in the series, well, you kind of know about what thrones and what thrones are about, aren't they? They're about power, and they're about authority, and they're about that power and authority going on. Stability. And if you've watched the crown, you'll know that's a bit dodgy sometimes. Margaret Thatcher nibbles away at the authority. They have a break to go shooting things in wherever they go, to shoot things. Uh, the power and authority is not secure. It's not constant. But God's power is the opposite. Nothing threatens it. Nothing interrupts it. Psalm 93 says God's throne has always existed. Psalm 45 says it will last forever. And in fact, we'll see that as we work through Revelation. Not quite every chapter, but nearly every chapter, God's throne is there. You'll keep seeing it popping up, even right through to the end. So God is always on his throne. Verse 2 tells us that as well. It says someone is on the throne. It's interesting though, isn't it? We get no description. We don't see who this someone is. Calvin says a true image of God is not to be found in the whole world, and one reason you say we can say that is because God is spirit. John says, actually, that spirit is pure love. God is love, and you can't see love, can you? So already we've got an image building, haven't we, in Revelation 4 of an an all-powerful all-loving God. And it keeps building. Verse 3, this someone has an appearance, so it's sort of of the effect of this person, has an appearance of jasper and ruby, and he's surrounded by an emerald rainbow or a halo. Well, uh, we don't talk about jasper much, not many folk are wearing a jasper ring, probably, but probably a few of you will be wearing diamond rings because that seems to be uh, what a Jasper was. Apparently, the, the brightest object at the moment uh, in the universe is, I have to look check this, quasar P352-12. I expect you all knew that. Um, quasar P352-12 stroke is 13 billion light years away. And the reason it's so bright, apparently is because whatever a quasar is is kind of magnified through a cloud of diamond dust like jasper magnifying that light but you know how a bright quasar p352 stroke 12 is it's not as bright as god here is it it's not pure light And light in the Bible, well, it means all sorts of things, doesn't it? But one thing it certainly means that everything is revealed. Everything is shown up. It means we can see where we're going. It means we don't need to be scared. We're not scared of the dark anymore, because it's light. So when we see God's light, which is kind of captured in this picture, isn't it? It says something about Safety and security no more darkness God is looking after us so we've got a God who's all powerful who's loving who's caring for us and then this God speaks to us look at verse 5 the throne sends out lightning and thunder and if you look at the Old Testament pictures of God he speaks in thunder Psalm uh, 81 verse 7 talks about God speaking in thunder and there's a wonderful verse, a sort of a good memory verse, 1 Samuel uh, chapter 7. It says, God thundered with a great thunder. What a wonderful phrase, thundering with a great thunder. See, we have a God who speaks. Uh, we've been seeing that already in Revelation, haven't we? He spoke to the churches at the beginning uh, of Revelation. Um, he's just told John to come up to heaven. The Lord Jesus has come up. And, of course, he's still speaking to us today. He speaks through his spirit, and, of course, he speaks through his word. So John's saying, look, be encouraged. We've got an everlasting, all-powerful God who loves us, who cares for us, who speaks to us. Well, that's all right, and then we hit a bit of a problem. Because, actually, what this passage says is that we're cut off from his love. Now, we know about that at the moment, don't we? We know what it's like to be cut off from people we love. Not being able to see them. Not being able to hug them. Not being able to have that relationship that we all long to have. we we'll look at verse 6. Verse 6 says, there's something like a sea of glass clear as crystal around the throne. That seems to be a a symbol of God's purity and his separatedness from us. This huge, we talk about a crystal sea that separates us from God. We tend to think of sea as just something we can cross now, don't we? English channel isn't a problem. We just (laughs) zip across it in the channel tunnel. In fact, I can remember when the Dartford Tunnel didn't exist. The best you could do was get on the Tilbury Ferry. That was very exciting. But this is a huge crystal sea with no tunnel and no ferry. Using Bible language, if you like, you look at verse 8. Another way of describing this, that God is holy. So pure that we can't get close to him. Verse 8, you see the creatures are singing that God is holy, holy, holy. Anything repeated three times in the Bible is a kind of cube squared or something. One of my grandchildren at the moment, he just loves to ask, what's the biggest number I can think of? And he always wants to add on one to it. Well, you can't do that with God's holiness. It is beyond definition. Complete and utter purity and love. And of course, the great news is, and the reason John writes this, is that those who put their trust in the Lord Jesus have crossed that sea. When we trust in the Lord Jesus, we can sit at the throne of God. And there we find that this loving God is involved with our lives. He cares for us, Father, Son and Spirit. God is completely involved. And that's what we see... uh, as we move on uh, through the passage, we see Jesus and the Spirit and the Father all involved in caring for us. I think I should have pushed some of these buttons, actually. I've forgotten about doing that, didn't I? I can hardly see that. Looks about right. First one Who is it who's speaking to John? It's the same voice he heard uh, at the beginning. This is Jesus saying to John, come here. That is what Jesus invites us to do. Repeatedly, he says, come. You know, we're, we're, we're in the time of Advent, we've got the tree up, we're remembering Christmas, and we remember that God sends his son Jesus into this world, into that mucky little stable in Bethlehem. All this energy, all this light compressed into this baby. And this baby grows up to be our Lord who says to us, Come. And he says to that when we're feeling tired and we're feeling fed up and worried, when we're heavy laden, he says, Come to me. When we're thirsty, wondering what the point of life is perhaps, he says, Come to me. He says you don't need a degree in theology. Come to me as children, as a little child. In fact, he says, whoever you are, Come to me and I will not reject you. It's an amazing picture, isn't it? This powerful, all-loving God coming to earth to say to each one of us, come to me. And the amazing thing is that when we say yes to that offer, then God's Holy Spirit marks us out as a child of God. And guess what? Here in the throne room of heaven, There is God's Holy Spirit at work. Can you see that reference to the the seven spirits of God? Seven lamps blazing, the seven spirits of God in verse 5. Here's another number. It's getting a bit like Sesame Street, isn't it? Done three, now we do seven. The seven spirits is our ten. You know, if you're watching Strictly and Craig revel Hall gives you a ten, you know that's a perfect dance. Well, if they'd been running Strictly 2,000 years ago, he'd have been giving you seven. Well, he gives sevens anyway, actually, doesn't he? But he'd have been giving a seven. That would have been the perfect score. So we have God's Holy Spirit, his perfect spirit, in the throne. And we know what he's doing there. We looked at that last week, actually, didn't we? He's interceding for us. He's pleading with us. He's reminding God, if you like, that we are his children. So God cares for us. He calls for us. And he knows us as his children. We're marked out by his Spirit. So we have the Spirit there. We have Jesus there. And I think we have the Father there as well. Let's let's look at verse 6 and 7. We get these... Four living creatures. Um, it's a little bit muddled and a bit weird what's going on here. Uh, I think that's probably deliberate. They're right in the centre. They're kind of holding up the throne and part of the throne at the same, same time. And they're a real mixture of things. A bit like a, a Christmas pudding, all mixed up. Um, they're clearly supernatural. They're not normal human beings, are they? So they seem to be angelic um, They seem to have these sort of wings that allow them to fly all over the place and go anywhere across the whole of creation. And they have eyes everywhere so they can see everything. Um, And at the same time, they seem to sum up the whole of creation. So they have the eagle that flies. We have the domesticated animals in the ox. We have the wild animals with the lions. And we have people with the human face. It seems to be symbolising God involved with the whole of his creation, watching over it and being involved with it. So we haven't got a remote God sitting on his throne. We haven't got a a pilot who we know his name but he's locked behind the door somewhere. We have a God who's intimately involved with us, who cares for us. And when we've messed up, a God who calls to us and who sustains us when we turn to him, and lives in us by his spirit. And maybe that's reassuring, but maybe life is still very, very tough. Well, the great news is that actually we have a great future to look forward to as well. Just look at verse 4 or verse 10. Both those verses you see reference to the 24 elders. Another number for you. Uh, 24, as my mathematical grandson will tell you, is two 12s. Uh, and 12 always kind of points to uh, something like the 12 tribes of, of, uh, of Israel or the 12 apostles. It's always kind of a clue or, or a reference to the people of God. The whole people of God, if it's 24. That's That's us. Those elders are talking about us, Christian believers. And just look at them. They're dressed in white as a sign that they've been made clean. Next chapter we'll talk about being washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's trusting in Jesus, trusting in the death of Jesus. And these elders, us, we're going to pop up all the way through the book of Revelation. Revelation. We're praising, we're encouraging. And one specific thing they do here, look at verse 10. They fall down before the throne and they take their crowns off. They lay their crowns before the throne. And I think there's two things happening there. One is that's a sign of submission. When we turn to the Lord Jesus, we say, you're in charge. Not us anymore. But also I think that's a sign of relief. That was a phrase someone used on Elsa the other day. And we were talking about uh, some of this stuff. I said, what a relief to know that God is in charge. That I do have a pilot who will get me safely home. And that I have a great future with him. Because when we put our trust in Jesus, we are made completely pure and that's when we cross that crystal sea and we can sit at that dazzling throne of God so God is not a remote figure he may be all powerful he may be all loving he may be pure light and pure holiness but we can still know him we can still know him when we put our trust in Jesus and allow his Holy Spirit into our lives and we have a great future in heaven and when we get there well we'll worship and I have to say I used to think that was a pretty boring prospect until the government told me I couldn't worship anymore until we were told we couldn't sing I know singing is more than worship but goodness me don't we miss it don't we look forward to that moment when we will be able to sing and praise the Lord. Well, we will. We will be doing that one day in heaven before that throne. It won't be long before we'll be singing these words. Not in that poor lowly stable with the oxen standing by. We shall see him, but in heaven, set at God's right hand on high, where like stars his children, crowned, All in white shall wait around.